You're listening to Speak Loud, resilient stories of triumph and hope, helping you to turn your past into fuel for your best future. Here's your host, founder of the 501c3 Share, providing resource and support for trauma victims, and a survivor herself, Tiffany Barnes. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Speak Loud podcast. As always, I am your host, Tiffany Barnes, and I have the pleasure of introducing Chantelle Wright. But I'm not going to let her talk yet. I've got to boast about her first. She's done some amazing things, including being a badass business owner. She is the current international beauty queen. We'll get more into that here in a bit. You're like, international beauty queen of what? We'll find out. She is also a high-level sales and productivity coach. She does marketing advertising and a branding coach as well as a personal development health and fitness coach. She coaches on a lot of things, guys. Without further ado, please welcome Chantel Wrights. Ah, the crowd goes wild. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So fun. I'm so grateful to be here. This is such a fun thing, and um, I love telling parts of my story and giving little pieces of my heart to people. So this is always right up my alley. I just, it's, if, and any opportunity I have to give back or maybe just to give some hope or inspiration to somebody else, it's, I'm all on board. So I appreciate you giving me this opportunity. It's awesome. Oh, thanks girl. I appreciate you being here. I actually saw you, what was it, two weekends ago? Yeah, I think so. Getting two close weekends to that. ago at a conference. Uh, speaking, which was weird. It was like the first conference I've ever been to since In this person. whole yeah, COVID <laughs> thing happened. I know. And I mean, couldn't miss you with this beautiful blue hair you have. I've got the purple, you've got the blue. We just need like a pink and a yellow and we've got a right? rainbow. You know? I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you were just so striking when you walked into the room. Like you just have a presence about you. And when I say a presence, I should actually say a light. Thank you. You shine such a light that it's contagious, and I love that You're about you. You're going to make me cry. Is this bad <laughs> to cry already? Oh, yeah, thank you. Save that for like 20 minutes. <laughs> no. Um, and so I saw you share your story, and I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to have her on the show. You have, I mean, your story is just so phenomenal. Thank you. We've got so many similarities in our, in our stories, too, but... Um, yeah, I just, you know, immediately I'm sitting in the room and I'm sending you a message and I'm like, please, please, please be on my podcast because you've got so much light to share. And without a doubt, you said absolutely. And so here we are two weeks later. Right. I know. I love it. I so, love those synchronicities. Yes. It's amazing. The universe brought us together for sure. Uh, but take me through your journey. Take me through that journey. Again, you know, this podcast is about uh, triumph and hope and overcoming trauma. Uh, we don't want to focus so much on the trauma, but we want to know about it, right? right. Wanna, we want to know what have you been through so they, the audience can identify with that and, uh, you know, kind of feel that confidence in what you've been through. Maybe they can too. Right. So take me a little bit through that journey. So... You know, it's always an interesting thing digging into one's past, right? Yeah. And I think so many of us, um, when you've been through something traumatic, we've got one or two options, right? We can either bury it and pretend it never happened Mm -hmm. or, well, I guess three options. We can live in it and and remain in that space or we can figure out how to allow that to be a catalyst for us to either propel us forward or to pull other people out of the depths of things. Yes. And so... 
I've chosen option three. Um, I think that we all have stuff that happens to us, right? I'm not alone in that. And that was one thing that I I said when I was speaking is, you know, at one point I, ra- I said, if who in the audience has ever not been that person that felt alone or dejected or in a bad place, right? Not one person in that audience raised their hand. Right. We've all been there, right? And so it's just about how can we use what's happened to us to give us knowledge and experience on how to make the world a better place and how we help other people moving forward. And so that's really been my mission is um, taking what's happened to me and how I can apply it and shine in my best light so that I shine brightly enough that it gives other people the courage to turn their light on and start to shine themselves. So my past, um, and I'm not, like you said, we have similar past, right? I'm not even alone in this, but there was a time when I felt like I was. Mm-hmm. Right. I felt like it was very taboo to speak about. And um, I feel like the more of us that are willing to open and share our stories, the more other people feel like they can do the same. Right. Mm-hmm. It just gives them that little bit of hope or courage. So um, I grew up um, being abused by my grandpa, sexually abused by my grandpa up until the time I was 12. I don't know when it started. I don't, I mean, it's as long, it was as long back as I could remember. I don't ever remember there being a first time, right? It just was always a thing. Yeah. Um, when I was actually eight years old, a couple of my cousins and I had gotten together and figured out that it was happening to all of us. And so we tried to tell our parents. And at the time, my grandfather, being the master manipulator, was able to come up with some story as to how we were just mistaken and girls making up stories, right? So we were all really afraid for the next four years and it continued to happen to us because we were afraid to say something again, that we would come out and and we wouldn't be believed. Uh, and I remember very distinctly actually b- being at that eight-year-old self when it came out and my parents actually had my grandparents over to my house to discuss it. And I remember them coming into my house and not knowing why they were there. I thought it was just a normal visit. So, of course, I was super excited to see them. And there was such a dampening energy. If I, Like, that's the only way I can explain it. It was very, um, like, it, there was zero joy in that moment at all. And I remember um, retreating back onto the stairs in my in the entryway of my house. The staircase to the basement was just right off of that entryway. And I remember retreating to that staircase and kind of sitting on the staircase and looking up at my grandmother, who at the time I really revered and respected. And I remember seeing her cry. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, and I and in that moment, I knew why they were there. And I vowed to myself, at that time, I can never make her cry again, right? Like that was such a heartbreak to me that what I had done caused her pain, uh, n- you know, in my naive eight-year-old mind. Mm-hmm. So fast forward, you know, this continued to happen, me, my cousins, and whoever else um, for the next four years. And I remember the next time that it hit me again that I I was sitting downstairs in my bedroom and I rem- I'm the oldest. Um, I have how many little sisters? I think there's five of us girls and one brother. Um, And at the time, my little sister was um, 18 months old. So I knew it had happened to the two sisters right below me. And then I but I didn't know about her yet. And I just remember thinking to myself, if this happens to her and I didn't do something to stop it, that's on me. And I couldn't bring myself to go one more second in that space. 
So it was like two in the morning and I went upstairs and told my mom what had been going on. And she, of course, um, you know, trying to wake up and make sense of what was happening. Um, my whole world changed in that instant. Mm-hmm. We lost our extended family almost overnight. I lost my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. I have cousins I haven't seen in 30 years. Wow. Right? Like, it just was instantaneous. Um, a few years down the road, my parents ended up getting divorced, getting divorced, right? That all shifted. And for a long time, I carried that weight on my shoulders because as a kid, it was me coming out that triggered all of that, right? It, and I understand now as an adult that had nothing to do with me and it was not on my shoulders at all. But the way I grew up from that point was constantly trying to chase my worth and to prove that I was valuable and that I was going that so I would excel in school you know like all of these things achieving and accolades and doing these things was my way of trying to prove to other people I was worth something Mm. and so that's a lot of where my like overachiever stuff comes <laughs> from. Um, and I understand now, even now when I get into that work habit of like, I, you know, pushing through and doing amazing things, I have to really be conscious and check in with myself on what, what is my intention here and what's my motive? Am I doing this because I'm trying to prove something or is there a pure motive with it? Right. And right. so um, it's, that's a, a constant checks and battle battles. So, balance system with myself <laughs> to make sure that I am, um, that, I, you know, that I'm staying true to myself and making sure that I'm honoring myself. Right. So I can so identify with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. So I ran the torch in the Olympics and I've got this diploma hanging up and people are like, you went to college. Why do you have a diploma hanging up? I was the same way. I lived on my own through high school. I didn't have mom and dad saying, get up, get out of bed, go be good, make straight A's or anything. And and if you have heard my story before, I talk about excelling in school. Yeah. Because it was, again, my way, and I didn't really look at it as my way of proving my worth, but it was my way of having an adult say good job and right. getting positivity from a, an adult right and maybe even controlling being in control of your situation yeah yeah it was that subconscious need for control that's so crazy yeah you know how and it's a different perception you know kind of how you looked at it versus how i did but we still wanted to exceed and mm-hmm. succeed because we didn't get it from the outside sources of the people yeah. that meant the most to us Well, and we also, I think, weren't taught how to get that validation for ourselves. Like, we're taught from young, young, young kids that we can't trust our intuition, we can't trust ourselves, right? That we need outside sources Mm -hmm. for validation. And sometimes we do, but the magic happens when you start to figure it out for yourself and you no longer need that outside validation, right? right? So I no longer have to chase those things because I need that outside validation. Now I'm secure, and I'm good inside. And so when I do things, it's more for me, not the outside validation. I'm giving it a full yes because it's what my soul wants me to do and not what I'm doing because I need the validation. But when did you get to that point? Like, how old were you and how did you have that, like, flip of a switch, I guess? Um, You know, it kind of was a culmination of things. So because of all of the trauma that had happened in the divorce of my parents, I, at that moment as a teenager, 
I I said to myself, I'm never getting divorced, right? I'm never going to do this. And it pushed me down the path of self-development, right? And where I was starting to read a lot of those books and attend some of those seminars, and I was ingesting a lot of that information. Um, but one of the things that I talk about a lot is that actually can become a deflection tool, hmm. right? Because we... I can use that and say, oh, I've read all these books. Look at me. I'm so great. I'm perfect. And it helps me to maintain my perfect facade on the outside when I actually haven't taken that into my core and done the work to do the healing. Mm -hmm. And so we use this as a deflection on helping us to maintain that facade. And so I think the turning point for me, honestly, was um, an instance that happened with my dad about seven years ago where his dad had died, my grandpa, the abuser, right? So obviously that death drudged up a lot of open, unhealed wounds, right? Mm. Reopened a lot of wounds. Um, and so we had a conversation and in that moment he said, well, what do we do to move on from here? And I said, honestly, I feel like the only thing we can do is to get a therapist. Like we need someone else outside of us to help us navigate these waters. And so he agreed, but then he would never show up to the appointments and he had just oh, one wow. excuse after another. Right. And um, he, I can't afford it. I can't. And I said, I'm not asking you to pay for it. I'm clearly already going and you're basically just wasting my money as it is. So just show up. That's all I'm asking you to do is show up. Right. And I felt like in that moment, um, he had put a price tag on my head and told me that I was not even worth his time. Mm. And so it was almost this light switch went off of all the books I had read up until that moment were like, remember us? Like, this is what you read. <laughs> yeah. And so it was in that moment, I realized that I had not been setting boundaries for myself. I was in that people pleaser mode all the time. I always wanted to be the one that was liked and loved and respected. And, you know, the fixer, I could fix things for the family and make everybody happy and peacemaker. Like that was me. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I realized how I had no boundaries in that space. And I would continue to allow him to hurt me in my life if I kept doing what I was doing. And it was like the switch went off. And I and I said, no, this is my t this is where I need to stand up for myself. This is where I need to lay down the law. This is not going to continue to happen. And so I uh, he actually sent me a text on my birthday and I responded to him and said, I'm so grateful that you said happy birthday. That means a lot. I love you more than I can tell you. But we cannot continue to have a relationship unless we get the therapy that we need. So please do not contact me again until you're ready to go. And that was the last I heard from him seven years ago. He never responded, really? nothing. Um, I've seen him in person just by chance. We've run into each other a couple of times here and there. But it's very, it's a very foreign feeling. Like there's, there's a very lack of connection there, right? Yeah. But in that moment... When I stood up for myself and I held that boundary, and granted, it wasn't like an instant beautiful boundary and everything was la-di-da for the rest of forever, I probably reached out to him once every six months for the first three years after that and just said, just so you know, the offer still stands. I still love you and still nothing. And it took me a long time to get past that, right? Like to be okay in that. But so it's a constant process, but I believe that instant moment was when the switch finally like it clicked for me and I started to move myself in the other direction. 
Does that? Yeah, it was like I, the way I'm visualizing it is you became empowered as a yeah. person because you set those boundaries and said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And, and so, you know, it, it must have been like running into a stranger at the, it was wherever you were when you absolutely. ran into him. You absolutely. Know? And I still have love for him. And I have given myself permission to love from a distance, right? It is okay to still love someone and, and I will always love him. But it was, it was interesting. The last time I ran into him, I was actually at Costco and I was with my daughter who um, hadn't, so she is, she was 13 at the time. So she hadn't seen him since she was six. Wow. Yeah. And she's obviously changed a lot since uh-huh. she was six. She's now taller than me, right? <laughs> and, and so I, you know, he's, they were like, oh, is this your daughter? Is this Olivia? And I said, yeah, you know, you know had the conversation whatever it was awkward at Costco um and as we walked away my daughter said who were those people why did you make me talk to them like she did not even have enough recollection to recognize her own grandparents wow yeah it was definitely interesting but there was it was a very indifferent feeling Mm. right and I feel like that's where you know that you've come full circle and healed where it doesn't drudge up an emotion for you one way or the other right it's like here's a person that you know and I I I wasn't drawn back into that need to oh maybe I need to text him and see offer the counseling again Mm -hmm. right it was the first time that I was like no I'm good Wow. So yeah, it's truly a picture of of healing from that. Yeah. And so the biggest thing is he didn't want to accept what his dad had done to you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a lot of that, but also, you know, it took me a long time to realize that he he was doing and is still doing the best that he has the capacity to do. Mm -hmm. He was raised by a master manipulator. Mm -hmm. So he does not necessarily function on the same cylinders that I do. Right where I grew, where I grew up with a healthy mental capacity and was not raised in those circumstances, so he truly is doing the very best that he can, and I do believe he loves me at his core. He, I believe that he, because of how he was raised and perfection, was such a big deal to that family. And my grandpa, my grandfather, was a very prominent member of society where it, he lived in Utah County. Um, in fact, when when my mom pressed charges against him, it took nine months to get him arrested because the officers in Utah County, and granted, this was a long time ago, like child sex abuse was not talked about mm-hmm. and it was very hard to prosecute. The officers that were in Utah County would not arrest him because he was such a high standing member of the community in the church in that area. So she wow. finally had to have an officer from Salt Lake County go down and arrest him. So, his whole world, my dad's whole world was built around honor thy father and mother no matter what, right? And he's a member, high standing member of the church and all of these things. And we had to honor that. And so it was, it's very hard for him. So he, my dad holds a lot of hurt in him because we, as his children, have not, in his eyes, honored him in the way that we're supposed to because of how he was mm. up you know brought up and that's a lot to unpack and honestly i wasn't even expecting him to make any changes um in therapy i just needed him to show up all i needed him to do was to show up for me and so when he couldn't even show up that really hit, took a hit for me for a long time 
Yeah, I can only imagine. Which, I mean, honor thy father and mother, but what about honor your, you know, your kids? I I mean, they are a piece of you. I I mean, I don't have kids of my own. I did help raise my sister, you know, took her out of foster care. And it's like she's my child. And I can't imagine turning your back on your child like that, you know. But it's because you're functioning from a healthy place. Yes. You know, when when it's hard and it's something that might, make you look like you're not perfect mm. that's that's hard you know i just really feel like he was not equipped to face um and own up to the part that he played in it you know just it's hard for any of us to mm-hmm. right it's so much easier for us to blame for anything that comes up we just it's such a natural thing that society's like yeah take don't take responsibility it takes a very self-aware person to accept their own responsibility in a situation yes you know and so you have forgiven him absolutely yeah i think that's a big key part of overcoming trauma would you absolutely you know and and you're seeing too like okay well here's how he was raised and that's kind of what he knows yeah you know and they say abuse is cyclical not just they say it's proven it's cyclical you know one in four women one in six men before the age of 18 and the statistics have gotten quite worse because of covid (laughs) right so you know with that being said you're stopping the cycle with you yep You've got kids. Your most important job is you're a mom. Uh, what are you doing to make sure that cycle doesn't repeat with, with your children? You know, um, obviously, I'm in a place where I'm never going to do that to my children. Uh, but it's always having an open discussion. And honestly, too, I think we need to be very careful about the burdens we carry there as well as a parent. Mm. Um, because no matter what you do and how much you talk to your kids, they're still going to be put into situations that could potentially harm them. You can't keep them under a rock. They have to have their own life and their own things that they make decisions for. And it's just equipping them the very, very best you can. And if something comes up, that they're equipped to handle the after effects as well and what happens there. So we, my philosophy is nothing's taboo. We talk about everything all the time. My kids probably get super annoyed about it, but at least if we have that open line of conversation that when something comes up, they can come to me and I can help them navigate those waters. Yeah, that's really important, you know, to have that open dialogue and know they can always come to mom with anything. Yeah. And they're not going to be judged. I think that's that's amazing. That would be ideal for any parent, you know, and unfortunately it's not. And it's really just important to reverse that cycle, as I'm mentioning. Um, I want to go back to the forgiveness part of things, though. You know, your grandfather dies... Um, that was a very tumultuous time in your life. Uh, dad, you know, doesn't want to kind of go to counseling and show up for you. When was the moment that you had that forgiveness light go off? That epiphany, if you will, of, okay, this all makes sense. So I think that has really been a long time coming. And mm-hmm. I learned from a very young age. And, you know, maybe it was the fact that my mom was really adamant and got us into therapy right away, right? That we were able to start coming to grips with some of these things. But I realized that even like my grandpa was a sick person, like he was operating from a sick space. And I knew that I was worth more than that. Mm -hmm. So it allowed me almost to disconnect myself from this situation and to hold my own value even with everything that was going on. And so I learned really fast 
that letting go was actually me taking back control of my life. When we hold on to things, that's whatever we're holding on to has the control. Mm-hmm. And by letting go is actually taking ultimate control and releasing it all. And I just saw how much better I functioned in that space and that it wasn't within my control. So learning to let go of the things that you cannot control is a beautiful thing. Yes, I would agree. So let's fast forward into who you are today. Yeah. You've got some really amazing (laughs) things going for you. I'm a busy person. (laughs) You are busy. Thank you for being here. But, um, you know, talk to me. So Miss International... Yeah, so Mrs. Premier World. Mrs. Premier World. Yeah. I know you talked about this on stage a couple weeks ago. You know, what made you want to get into this (laughs) and do it? Oh, my gosh. So that requires a little bit of a backpedal. So um, into my business owner stuff. So I actually own a fitness studio in Sandy, Mm -hmm. Utah, um, that I have owned for coming up on my eighth anniversary, which is super awesome. I know. Um, And... A lot of the work I do there within the fitness realm and helping people learn to move their bodies and feel safe within their bodies and giving them a safe space to be there, um, that's all been going on for a long time. And I've been playing in that space for a long time and taking my background and ha- giving people a place to find their self-worth again and their value. Um, and I think that is the reason that the pageant thing kind of fell where it did into my life was because of the work I was doing there. Right. So um, one of the things I do is I work a lot with real estate agents. Um, I do a lot of branding coaching, helping them build their businesses and grow. And so I'm in real estate offices quite a lot. One day I happened into a local office here in Salt Lake area and I walked in the door and all of these girls were passing around this beautiful pageant crown and I was like what like that's not something (laughs) you see every day right so obviously I'm like hey what's going on what are we doing and uh, so I was talking with the realtor that um, owned the crown and she was like oh you know I did this pageant and I was you know like anyway so I just said I had no idea that you did pageants like it was like way out in left field so I said I did a couple of pageants when I was a teenager like 14 and she's like you do pageants oh you should do this and I'm like no 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 no, no. I don't think you heard me I said <laughs> 14 like I'm like, I'm 40 now. She's like, no, 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 you have to, you have to. Like with the work you do with women, like think of the message you could spread anyway. And I said, I'll think about it. So fast forward, she put me in touch with the director. The director and I chatted for a couple of hours and um, she finally convinced me to do it. And I was like, okay. Um, But I just really didn't think anything of it. Like to me, I didn't think I had any shot of going anywhere with it. I, I, and I told the director, I said, look, I'm not changing my hair because like you mentioned, my hair's blue, bright blue. Beautiful. Thank you. Yes. And I it's love it. currently a mohawk, right? Like, yes. Um, and I'm and I'm not going to go on some crazy diet and to do this. Like I've been there, done that. I actually kind of wrecked my body when I was younger because I stayed too lean for too long and I'm not willing to go back into that place if that's what you want. Um, that's not me. And she goes, nope, we don't care. Come as you are. You know, this is the thing. And I was like, okay. I really did not think I had any shot of going anywhere with it. Like, not even a little bit. So the only people that I told were um, my friend, Wendy, that manages my studios for me and my husband. 
that was it. So I made an announcement on Facebook when I won the Mrs. Utah. I just put it out there on social media because, again, I was like, uh, I guess <laughs> this, yeah. here's the thing. Everybody's like, so, what? I didn't know you were running. Yeah. So my mom actually saw it. And she's like, oh, what made you decide to do pageants again? You're going to do Mrs. Utah? And I said, no, I am Mrs. Utah. And so she was like beyond pissed with me. Uh, that's a story for another day. Anyway, so I went on, um, competed, and ended up winning the international title of Mrs. Premier World, and all based on the platform of Embrace Your Inner Weirdo. So it's owning who you are, loving every single piece of yourself, and stepping into that space and learning how to shine in that space. So that's what I what I do and what I love is just helping people find their spark again and learning to love themselves. I love that. Embrace your inner weirdo. Lord yeah. knows I'm an I'm weirdo. Uh, I'm weird <laughs> as they come, so it's all good. No, that's cool because you're encouraging people to be themselves authentically, right? Yeah. And you were like, "Hey, I'll enter this, but I'm not losing weight. I'm gonna yeah. just be me, and I'm keeping my hair blue." And right, you're gonna have to be okay with my size six butt. It's yeah. not gonna be a size zero, and <laughs> yeah, I'm not changing my hair. It's gonna stay blue, and I did. But I think um, the reason that I did so well is because I I was just there for me. I was just Mm -hmm. there to spread my message. I was just there to share light and love and connect with people. And that comes through. And so at that point, I think because I wasn't there chasing a crown, it, it, landed on my head <laughs> yeah I was gonna say that because when you put something out to the universe you want you know I want this car I want this money I want whatever it's as if you are in a lack of something mm-hmm. so you know you were just kind of like okay cool it's, it reminds me of that Amy Schumer movie that last one she put out where like you know she viewed herself as this just like amazingly skinny beautiful person which she is a beautiful person but outwardly, looking at her, she was like not a size two, right? right? But she was still like so confident in herself that uh, it came across to others, and people were like, "Wow, her confidence!" Now I'm believing it, you yeah. know. But you know, so it changed their perception of her as well. So that's kind of what comes to mind. So take me into the fitness side of things. So I know you've got—is it called Core? Core Seven. Core Seven. Yep. Tell me a little bit more about that. So. I, let's see, so I've been open almost eight years. That really started out like years and years ago. I'm trying to think of how many years ago my husband and I did our first vision board, right? Like that world of um, thought, I guess, was introduced to us. And so we put together this vision board. And at the time, I wanted so badly to have a center for women and teen girls where they could come to heal. Mm-hmm. And to find their self-worth again and their value. And I wanted a space that was going to bring them up out of those depths that they were in, whatever was going on, and just to rebuild them. And so I had this picture of this red brick building that I put up on my vision board, and it kind of stayed there, kind of stayed there. Um, and at one point, we moved. And so the vision board, I don't even know what happened to it at that point, but we would build new ones, and we just didn't ever revisit that one again. And and so it was just kind of always at the back of my head, but I never, like, I didn't put it back up on my vision board again. Like, I think it was one of those things that was so big at the time that I just thought this is way too far down the road, right? I knew it was going to cost me like $4 million. I knew I was going to need X amount for therapists. You know, like I had the whole picture painted and I just think um, I shrank my dream back a little bit, I think. Um, So fast forward, I was 
we had been open just a couple months and I was in the studio vacuuming and I'm really weird about vacuum lines. So I just remember like it kind of would put me in just this meditative state as I'm like getting these perfect lines across the carpet. I know it sounds so stupid. <laughs> oh, I get it, girl. I'm OCD. I get it. <laughs> so I just remember vacuuming and like just kind of being in this like almost meditative state with the vacuum lines going back and forth. And it was just like this light went off this awareness of the like the universe just said this is your space this is what you put on your vision board it's not how you thought it was going to be but this is how I need it to be and Mm. I need you to step forward in that space and I was like okay I hear you (laughs) Um, and the irony of it is is the space that we're in is kind of a reddish color brick building so like there's a lot of synchronicities that kind of happened but in that moment when the light went off I started to see what was going on with the women that were coming in and you know watching someone break down into tears on the floor during a cool down for no reason like there's no explainable reason other than the energy that I brought there in the space I created was put there for them to have that experience Hmm. and so it's been a very beautiful beautiful thing to watch this kind of unfold and watch women figure out that it's okay to be who you are and it's okay to love yourself the good and the bad and ugly and the weird and the crazy and the quirky (laughs) and it's it's amazing yeah yeah. i love that and so now it's just expanded so much more in the last eight years this is your passion project aside from are you still going to build that facility that you dreamt of so long ago i don't know i think um I think sometimes the universe hands us something if we're open to it and we're open to listening. It may not be the way we pictured it in our heads, but the universe lays it out the way it needs to be. And fitness is a really interesting thing. It's really often the first step someone takes towards that journey of self-love and they don't even realize it, right? It's one of the only things that you can do that's just for you, that only benefits you. And it's very personal. It's very raw. It's very intimate and emotional. Um, And it's really just a beautiful catalyst. And I think it's such a perfect place to open people up to what's possible that I don't know that I'll ever go the route I thought it was going to be. I'm just kind of leaving it up to the universe and I'm trusting the way that I'm supposed to go. And, you know, one of my really good friends um, has a mantra that I've kind of adopted because I love it so much. And it's listen and do. And so that's really what I've kind of adopted too. When the universe speaks and tells me something, I listen and I start to do. I don't worry about hows and what's and why's. I just listen and do. And so that's kind of the the way I'm planning to take it. (laughs) Well, with that being said, though, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, you've got to have some sort of a plan. I Yes, I do. Absolutely. And it's interesting, too, that as we say this, listen and do. Mm -hmm. um, Over the last seven years, I've been working on putting together a program for people that helps with um, nutrition, um, cleansing, but also like bringing into it the emotional side of it, understanding how past traumas manifest themselves in the body and how to address those kinds of things that lie into emotional eating and um, and also like the high performance side of it, right? How do we set goals? Why do we set goals? How to properly reverse engineer a goal? And it's been a really cool process to pull all of this together over the last few years. Um, and then incorporating the nutrition side of it, because you know as well as I do, there's 
as many different diet plans out there as there are grains of sand on the, yes. the beach. It's There's so much conflicting information that people are just flat out confused. So nobody knows what to believe. So most of the time we believe nothing because everything that we think becomes a farce and, you know, all of that. So helping to educate people on how their body works, how to get it to work for them and not against them and all of these things. So I've put together this program that I ended up kind of revamping another time um, the last couple months and I just relaunched it even though we've been using it, um, relaunched it a few months ago and the results that we're having are phenomenal. Like I can't even tell you, amazing results. And so what I've figured out is that I've been able to make this turnkey so I can actually use this to help other women empower themselves and maybe get themselves financially stable if they're in a bad place because they're not able to financially step away. You know, there's so many possibilities with this, but I've made it turnkey to give someone an opportunity to set their own financial future. And Mm. so in the last couple of months, as we're talking about this listen and do, as I'm going through this listen and do process, it just opens and opens and opens and opens. And so I'm just following the universe on this one right now. And uh, I'm really excited about what this is going to open up in the next um, even year. Um, So five years is going to be unreal. So what's the name of this program? It's just called Fueled. Okay. And how does somebody, what if I might want to get involved? (laughs) Do you work with people who have PCOS? Um, we can help with all of that. Like, I mean, there's all of these facets to it that when we can balance your gut correctly and your mm-hmm. body starts functioning on a regular basis, then the other functions of your body start to fall into where they need to be normally. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that stuff starts to iron itself out. It's it's the craziest. I've got one um, client right now that's had, um, I can't, I think psoriasis. I don't rem- I'm not even going to try to say it. A uh, form of arthritis since she was 16 years, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. She's been on pain medications for this since she was 19. She's been off of her pain medications now for three weeks. She told me the other day her feet have shrunk half a size because the inflammation is leaving her body. Wow. Right? Like, who would even think about that? She's right. like, my shoes are too big because my feet are shrinking. Wow. Like, just crazy stuff that we're able to help people with. So, it's just... It's just an awesome program, and I'm super excited about it. It's working for people. It's restoring people's health and educating them in long, because that's the thing is I don't want people coming back to me in six months in the same boat they're in. Yeah, I want to equip them to go out there and to take control of their lives and to take control of their health. And so these stories of people changing their lives and holding on to that long term is like, Oh, it's the best thing. Yeah. So it's got to be so great to see those results. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like to physically see it, you know, to see your work is actually working. Yeah, I know. It's like a win, win, win. It's the best (laughs) thing ever. So um, absolutely. If people want to get a hold of me, I'm happy to help them. My website is just ChantelWrites.com. Um, the program on there is called Fueled. Um, Chantel is S-H-A-N-T-E-L rights is r-e-i-t-z so it's my name um dot com and look for the fueled program and it's awesome very cool yeah yeah i asked because i have pcos and i gained like 40 pounds overnight Mm -hmm. and i'm just like and i'm a cyclist 
I'm cycling like 100 mile bike races and I'm like, why am I not losing? I'm just like yeah. hovering. Right. That's an offline co- <laughs> uh, conversation. Yeah, we'll be talking but anyways. Soon. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, all right. We're kind of running out of time. So I want to ask you a few more questions. I wish I had so much more time with you because, man, this is we'll like so again. fascinating. It's yes. Okay, we'll do it again. Um, okay. There was a question I was going to ask you about your plan. Oh, is there a book in the works? I can see you doing a book. <laughs> yeah. So I've, um, yes. Yes. Long story short, yes, there will be a book coming. Awesome. Okay, yeah. you got to let me know when that happens. Uh, I want to ask you, what makes you feel empowered? Honestly, owning who I am. I think there's nothing truer there than stepping out into your space in that alignment of your own energy and knowing what you can accomplish in that space and what you're worth. Yes, yeah. I love that. I love that so much. What uh, what are you hoping the listeners will take away from today's episode? I always hope that it just gives them a little piece of inspiration that maybe they, once you're aware of a change that needs to happen or aware of something going on, that that you then can make that change or whatever it is you need. So mm-hmm. just that little bit of light that shows you there's a different way. Absolutely. You're what I call a light worker. I call myself a light worker as well. You help people find light in darkness. Amen. Love that. Who is Chantel Wrights? Crazy ass weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. (laughs) I'll take that. All right. Um, Any last things you want to mention before we go into 20 questions? I don't think so. Okay. Without further ado, it's the long-awaited 20 questions. All right, so choose a number between 1 and 20. Let's go with 14. Let me see which one's the best. Ooh, we'll go with this one. If you could spend the day in someone else's shoes, who would it be and why? Ooh, You know, honestly, I think I would spend the day in my daughter's shoes. Really? Yeah. I think um, I, I just, our teens are going through so much right now. And no matter how we try to comprehend what's happening or that what they're experiencing, we just cannot wrap our heads around it, I don't think. So if I could spend a day in her shoes, I think it would just be such an amazing blessing for me to just to be able to have that much more insight on how to guide her and how to help her with all the things. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that answer. You didn't choose anybody famous. <laughs> you didn't choose Jesus, you know, or right? somebody. You chose no. your daughter. Yeah. Wow. That is awesome. That just shows what kind of mother you are and uh, what kind of, you know, person you want to be to show up for her. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. You are such an amazing person, and I am so honored that you agreed to be on the show. Keep on shining your light, girl. Keep on doing you. Be that badass weirdo, as you call yourself. <laughs> um, I just have so much love for you. Thank I know you. we Same. don't know each other for very long, but uh, I have so much love for you. And uh, yeah, I just, yeah. I just, if anybody takes anything away from this episode, go follow Chantel Wrights. Go check in on what she's doing. Get involved. Uh, share the movement, and uh, as always, be the change you wish to see in this world. Have a great day.
Thank you for listening to Speak Loud. If this message resonated with you, please feel free to share it with anyone you feel could use the support. To find out more information about SHARE, our movement, and to join the cause, please visit sharethemovement.org. Until next time.